Researchers estimate that modern humans have been on Earth for around 300,000 years. And though we've been constantly evolving throughout all this time, the study of biology is relatively new. In fact, we only discovered DNA in the 1860s and didn't realize its importance until the 1900s. Despite everything we know today and all of our modern discoveries, Dr. Steve Riley, an assistant professor of genetics at Yale School of Medicine, says the field itself is still in the beginning stages. A lot of what we do is just descriptive. The saying is that this is the patterns we see. If we break this, this is what happens. And so that isn't even that much towards like some grand theory yet. That's just saying once we actually get into the systems of biology, how does it even work? And just describing it is the first step before you get to complex laws and even theories. To many people, the term theory sounds like the start of research. And in many cases, it is. However, there are a lot of theories that we accept to be true because no one has been able to disprove them. This includes the theory of relativity and natural selection. Natural selection is the idea that the driving force behind something changing is something better comes along, something more fit, survival of the fittest. You know, you might change your mind because someone keeps annoying you and poking you and you don't want them to poke you anymore. It has nothing to do with natural selection. Natural selection says, you know, some offspring of an animal is born. It is better at surviving or having more offspring. That will become more and more common. And so that is the natural selection force that drives a type of evolution. In other words, natural selection is the engine that drives evolution. But if we think about medical issues many of us face today, such as asthma or bad eyesight, don't those seem like conditions natural selection would have let die out? Not necessarily. Riley says the process works smarter, not harder. It's survival of the fittest for your environment. And my environment and your environment has contact lenses and glasses in it. And so there's no selective pressure anymore, right? If we took them out, I bet you would see over time better eyesight start to come up. Also, most people don't lose their eyesight until they're quite old. And thus they, if you lose your eyesight at 80 or 70 or 60, it doesn't change how many children you have. It doesn't impact it at all. And so natural selection can't act on stuff in really old age. Instead, we can look at conditions that threaten the lives of kids, like childhood cancer. Riley says it's a rare disease because natural selection has helped wipe out most cases so that people can grow old enough to procreate. Which brings us to another common misconception regarding natural selection. Many of us assume that survival of the fittest means surviving physical challenges, such as extreme weather or hungry animals. But Riley says that when you look at our DNA, physical threats aren't the driving factor, especially in the modern world. You inherit two copies of your genome from your parents, and it's essentially random which ones you get. But we can look over large populations and say, are there places where it isn't seem to be random, where this one copy just occurs a lot more than it would by chance? And if it keeps showing up, it means it must have some likely benefit that the people that have that do better or have more kids. And so it shows up more than every other part of the genome. And when we ask, okay, what are these potentially selected or adapted parts of the genome doing? They're largely involved in two main processes. They're involved in every single body system, but essentially two the most. One is immunity, our ability to fight off bacteria and viruses. We just have the COVID pandemic to think that a strong virus has a really big impact on if you survive or not. And that can strongly shape 
who's around to make the next generation. And while you may think the second most occurring gene sequence has to do with intelligence or strength, Riley says it actually has to do with our diet. You can imagine that as humans left Africa and populated all the world, what they ate was vastly, vastly different. Someone eating a diet of fish and sea creatures has a very different both caloric intake and like nutrient intake than someone eating grains and grasses and rice and things like that. And so our body has done a lot of work in different populations to adapt to what the common diets were in those areas, mainly because, because it always comes back to how many kids you have. A lot of that is about getting enough nutrients to have babies and have more kids and lower the time in between kids. And though we like to think of ourselves as much more complex than other mammals, natural selection and evolution doesn't always mean adding to our DNA. In fact, the genetic instruction book on how to make a human is shorter than some other animals. It's smaller. It has stuff removed from it. And that can actually also increase complexity. And it also is a little humbling that there's other work around that's talked about this, that very small changes can have relatively big differences if they add up across the genome. And that at the end of the day, we're actually not that different biologically from chimps and other mammals. Riley and his colleagues recently published a paper in the journal Science, which looks at genes that seem to have been deleted from humans. They stumbled across regions of the genome that occur in every other mammal, except for us. And so it's a little stretch of DNA, maybe just one or two base pairs long, that if you look in mice, if you look in monkeys, if you look in dogs, cats, all have this. And then you look in humans, and it's just not there, which is surprising, because if you have DNA that's been kept around for 200 million years, and then just poof, it's suddenly gone, that would actually like, if I just heard that, I would say, that seems really important. We probably shouldn't get rid of it. And if we got rid of it, it must be for hopefully a good purpose. The team decided to test how these missing genes operate in other animals and discovered that many of them affect the brain. Riley says this difference is understandable because we like to think that our human brain is one of the things that separates us from other living beings. But still, they wanted to see what would happen if humans did have these genetic sequences. And so we actually took neurons that don't have the sequence. It's been deleted. And what we did was we genetically engineered the DNA back in. So they were human neurons, except for this one little spot in the genome. In that spot, they looked like chimps or dogs or cats or any other mammal. And what we saw is that those neurons had a completely different set of genes that were expressed. They sort of changed their identity in terms of what genes were being turned on and turned off. And a lot of those were related to brain functions like myelination, which is how your nerves get protected and how fast the neurons actually grow. Researchers have known that human neurons grow much slower than other primates, just like how our physical growth is much slower than other mammals. There's a lot of theories about why this happens, and this is the colloquial theory, just sort of, we have an idea, we have a guess. And some of them are just that because of the complexity, we need to slow things down. Because of the size, that essentially we have these stem cells, and they can divide in two and make more stem cells. They can make one neuron and stay a stem cell. Or they can make two neurons, but then there's no more stem cells. If you make two neurons, you're done. There's no more after that. And so if you keep them longer as stem cells and you slow that process down, you can get more stem cells 
which eventually makes tons of neurons. But if you speed that process up, you run out of stem cells and aren't able to make as many neurons, which one theory suggests would lead to a smaller brain. But Riley's study is only in the beginning stages of this research. There's many more steps and obstacles before we can reach an answer. I want to be clear that we actually don't know that that change is actually impacting anything in a human. Because to actually say that definitively, we'd have to find a human that didn't have that deletion. And that we will never do. We've never seen a human that doesn't have the deletion. And making a human that has it would be unethical and unsafe. And so we have to use sort of proxies to get at this, which is why things like this stay theories instead of becoming laws, that it's hard and we have to sort of move very slowly using neurons in a dish. And then moving the research into mouse models, which is where Riley's team is headed next. That's something we're really excited to do is that to put that into a mouse, essentially to take it out of a mouse and say, what happens here? The other hard part is that the genome is really, really big. And so we didn't find just one of these. We found around 10,000 of them. And so likely each one might play a really small part in a really complex process. It's sort of like taking one brick out of a building. You might not notice until you take a bunch out or you change a lot of them to say, oh, this is actually something different now. And so that's one of the hard things that we have to try to start to figure out ways to, if one doesn't work, how do we edit genetically engineer you know, hundreds of these changes into a mouse? If they find that humans did have these gene sequences at one time in history, it would have been centuries ago. It's possible there's a driving force that triggered natural selection to remove it from our gene pool. But just like how we're able to speed up evolution within the confines of a lab, modern medicine and invention has allowed us to play a main role in natural selection. That kind of sounds scary, but like that's sort of the whole story of humanity moving much faster than natural selection happens. Natural selection happens on the order of hundreds of thousands to tens of thousands of years, if not longer. But humans have kind of escaped that because a lot of our inventions have nothing to do with biology. They have to do with tools and sharing ideas and invention, and that changes our environment. Which begs the question, are we cheating natural selection or working hand-in-hand with it for the greater purpose of surviving? 50 years ago, a lot of people said, yeah, using a calculator is cheating, and now it's, nope, that's just part of the tools of being a human. If you consider, like, what is natural... Natural would have been never inventing fire, never leaving Africa, never getting in a plane. And we're really fine with all those things. So I think it's uh, maybe just, I think it's very natural for humanity to invent and use those inventions. Hopefully we do it carefully. Join us next week as we untangle the evolution of humanity. You can find more information about Dr. Steve Riley and all of our guests on our website, radiohealthjournal.org. Our writer-producer is Kristen Farah. Our executive producer is Amira Zaveri. I'm Elizabeth Westfield. Coming up next week on Radio Health Journal. People still oftentimes separate mental health from physical health. And in reality, it's really all coming from the body. The hidden symptoms and stigmas that come from traumatic brain injury. Then why should you care about the evolution of humanity? Often people are being put into situations where one person in a given environment, based on their ancestry, may respond very differently than another person. All that and more on Radio Health Journal. 
I'm Nancy Benson, host of Radio Health Journal. If you enjoy listening to Radio Health Journal, you'll also like our sister show, Viewpoints, which covers a wide array of topics from education to history to the environment. Here's a preview of what they're covering this week on Viewpoints. If you're going to just create a lawn 100 feet away from your home, you're basically making a bowling alley for embers. Wildfires are becoming more common in areas never seen before. Are you prepared? Then... It's very hard for humans to directly observe the world and see what's really there, rather than what they hope is there or what their opinions are about what's there. Having trouble paying attention? One expert recommends trying this exercise. I'm Marty Peterson. And I'm Gary Price. These stories in-depth this week on your public affairs magazine, Viewpoints. Listen to Viewpoints on your favorite radio station and subscribe and listen to shows anytime on Apple Podcasts and Google Play. And that's Radio Health Journal for this week. Follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram to learn more. And check Apple Podcasts, Google Play, and Spotify for a library of past programs. Plus, you'll always find previous segments and information about our guests at RadioHealthJournal.org. Join us again next week for another edition of Radio Health Journal. Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer and set of offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark.